0: so one night uh december eighth, two 2008 i was in bonnie lake i got hired at a gym in bonnie lake to teach zumba there and i was so excited i just felt like oh god you're like opening these doors and i'm healing and this is so exciting and i was just i was ecstatic that night that i was hired to teach zumba um, i was in a terrible car accident i have no memory of the accident I remember, you know, the Zumba stuff, and I remember getting, I remember talking to people, but I don't really remember getting in my car that night. So I was hit by a drunk driver. It was a pretty, pretty terrible accident. I'm very, very blessed to be alive and to be doing as well as I am, which is nothing short of God's miracle and God's grace. I had a brain injury. I was in a coma for a little while just because of a traumatic the traumatic brain injury that I had. Both of my legs were broken and my face was broken. So it was pretty crazy. I had to relearn how to walk and I was in physical therapy for many months. There were so many wonderful people during that time that were just loving on me and bringing me meals and praying for me and raising money for me, like just so many things. I can't even I can't even say how amazing it was.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Elise Marsh and you're listening to the Perfectly Wonderfully Made Podcast. I believe with all of my heart, you guys, that the journey to becoming a parent allows each of us a glimpse into the heart of our Creator God, who so desperately wants us to know just how chosen, designed, called, and beautiful we all are. He sees us perfectly, wonderfully made. I'm so excited you're listening today. We are 12 episodes deep. And each week, y'all, I sit here so thankful for these relationships, for these women. I have the honor of hearing and sharing their stories with you. I pray today you are encouraged right where you're at, just as much as I have been. I hope y'all had a lovely Thanksgiving last week with your families. We had a great time at the Marsh home. Last week on the show, we talked a little bit about appreciation. And this year, for the first time during our Thanksgiving, we created what we called an appreciation station. Yeah, I know. It's so cool. Every person present that day had a piece of paper with their name on it at this station, which was just an extra table in the kitchen. And throughout the day, people went at their own leisure and wrote notes on each person's piece of paper. And at the end of the evening, each individual had a piece of paper full of notes about the things that others appreciated about them. It was so fun and so rewarding and one of my very favorite memories of the day. I actually, we were just talking about it in marriage counseling today, but when you start to be thankful and you start to speak out loud gratitude and appreciation, it actually opens up those memories and thoughts in your brain and things just start flowing. So it was such a great exercise and one that I will remember and hope to do for many years to come. But you But you guys, re-entry is tough though. (laughs) Is anyone else feeling that? After five days off of school and eating a whole lot more sugar than I'm used to, I am feeling super sluggish this week. But today felt so good. We're back to school, back to the gym, and working on eating a whole lot cleaner than we have been. And sometimes I think it's just so easy to get lost in the busyness of this season. And I feel like that's talked about a lot on social media and in our friend groups. Oh, I just, it goes so fast and I, and I just want to soak it in. But how do we actually do that? I know my heart's desire is to be intentional and thankful and so very content this Christmas season. For Black Friday, we opted outside and it felt so good to be outside and not spend any money. It was an awesome experience with our family and usually I'm the type of person who drags her feet a bit when venturing out into the the wilderness, but once I'm there, I'm so, so grateful to be outside, and I can thank my husband for most of our family outdoor adventures. We put up our tree this last weekend, and I had so much fun decorating it with our four-year-old. The magic of this season comes alive when you live it through your children's eyes. I don't know about you guys, but just I remember sitting there thinking on the couch watching her put up the Christmas decorations and just the magic in her eyes. It was something I hadn't experienced before, at least with her, and it was so much fun. I've loved the conversations we've been having this week about why we do some of the things we do during Christmas. And you guys, I'm just so reminded that our kiddos are truly our greatest treasures in this season. I hope you're able to make some amazing memories with them this week. Today on the show, you guys, I'm so excited to share with you my conversation with my friend Dana Ruck. Dana was a few grades ahead of me in high school, so we weren't super close um, during our school days, but she graduated with my husband, Jeff, and so we've been able to stay connected that way and just through living um, in close proximity to each other. But Dana is a mental health counselor at a hospital in Tacoma. She's also a certified health coach through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and a certified yoga instructor. Yes, she's pretty awesome. Dana shares with us her story of recovery after being hit by a drunk driver where she suffered a traumatic brain injury and had to deal with symptoms of anxiety, emotional dysregulation, and poor memory. She found that yoga was a way for her to not only heal her physical injuries and regain her strength, but helped her to heal emotionally as well. Dana shares her two cesarean birth stories with us and what life looked like as a newlywed and a new mama at the same time. We chat about life as a busy working mom, walking through life with the Lord when it's hard and uncertain at times, and just learning to trust the Lord in each season of our lives. It's a great conversation, you guys, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Here we go. Okay, Dana, thank you so much for coming on and taking time to chat with me. I'm like super excited. I don't think we've like ever got to do this, so this is pretty fun. Yes, I'm excited. So fun. Okay, so tell um, everyone who is Dana. What does your life look like? What who are those like? Who are your people? Tell us what. Does your life look like right now in this season
0: well my life is i am a mom which of course mom and wife is are my biggest roles um i've got two wonderful boys age seven and five got a, a husband i'm a working mom a pretty busy mom i work as a mental health counselor in a psychiatric unit at saint joseph hospital and i've been there for coming up on 12 years That's amazing. That's a long time. It is a really long time. (laughs) I mean, I started as a baby there pretty much, like fresh out of college. And I just have been there ever since. And then a few years ago, I think it's been about three years now, I got yoga um, certified. So I've been teaching yoga on the side, just kind of as a side gig. Um, So I do that at the YMCA and my church and V. And then I also got certified as an integrative nutrition health coach this past year. So I also do health coaching on the side. Um, So yeah, so I'm just kind of busy, busy with my boys, busy with work and um,
1: all the things that I think God is calling me to. Yeah, that's so awesome. So you wear a ton of hats. So what does like a typical schedule look like for you? I mean, you've got a ton going on.
0: You know, I only I only work part time at the hospital, so I'm there about three days a week. But when okay. I'm there, I work evening hours, which means I'm there from three to eleven thirty. So I I'm up late. I'm a kind yeah. of a night owl, um, but I still wake up early with boys for school. Get the uh, getting my oldest off to kindergarten, or excuse me, first grade, and um, then my I'm pretty I'm pretty type A personality in the sense that I'm very structured. I'm very regimented to my schedule. I usually go work out, get my own self-care in, um, come back. I do a lot of of cooking and food prep for just kind of my health coaching stuff and for my own life. And then I'm usually teaching a yoga class or, you know, just with the boys a lot. I try to volunteer at the boys' school here and there. Also, you know, I might catch coffee with a girlfriend if there's time. Yeah, you're Um, doing it all. It's kind of, you know, it's hard to say what my typical day is like because it's just – it can be different day to day, but – That's
1: awesome. Okay. So tell me about your health coaching because that's like a newer thing for you, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just, I, it was a year long program that I did online and I graduated in July. However, I was able to start seeing clients as health coaching six months into the program. So I've been, I've been seeing clients gosh you know for several months now not not a lot it's it hasn't really taken off as much as i would like it to um i really feel like god is sort of opening passions in me in the health world just you know a lot of that is tied to my story of which i'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit but just kind of my own my own health journey i'm just very passionate about um, people healing their body with food and you know i since i work in a hospital my hospital work is about medications. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, I'm a I'm a counselor so I do the talk talking, the talk therapy, but it's all about medicine and I just feel like people need to be more educated. It seems like you know, it's 2000, almost 2018 and yet right. we and we still are a nation in a culture of just putting so many toxins in our body. And so if I can even just help a few people learn better ways to care for themselves,
1: then that would be awesome. That's amazing. I can't wait to hear more about that. That's awesome, Dina. I'm so glad you're doing that. Thank you. Okay. So tell us, how did you meet your husband? My my, my husband's story is a pretty cool story, I have to admit. I was
0: actually engaged to be married to someone else before my husband, That I, to someone that I was with for a long time. And we were planning a wedding and that got called off and I was... I decided in order to heal from that I moved to Tacoma with a roommate and started working at a different location and I I just kind of was trying to start my start fresh after that. Yeah. And was doing a lot of healing. While I was living in Tacoma, I was still working at St. Joe's and I was also working at the Ram in Tacoma at the same time in the process of me healing from that breakup, I decided to get certified to teach Zumba because I've always been passionate about group fitness. I've, i I was a cheerleader in high school and college. And I just, I love, I love movement. And that yeah. during that season of my life, that was a big thing. And so I got certified to teach Zumba. So one night, uh, December 8th, 2008, I was in Bonnie Lake. I got um hired at a gym in bonnie lake to teach zumba there and i was so excited i just felt like oh god you're like opening these doors and i'm healing and this is so exciting and i was just i was ecstatic and so that night that i was hired to teach zumba um i was in a terrible car accident i have no memory of the accident my i i remember you know the zumba stuff and i remember getting I remember talking to people, but I don't really remember getting in my car that night. So I was hit by a drunk driver. It was a pretty, pretty terrible accident. I'm very, very blessed to be alive and to be doing as well as I am, um, and which is nothing short of God's miracle and God's grace. Mm-hmm. If you know, I can tell you. If you, if this is kind of the pre-pre story to my husband. That's why this is yeah. all together i had a brain injury i was in a coma for a little while just because of a traumatic the traumatic brain injury that i had both of my legs were broken and my face was broken um so it was pretty pretty crazy i obviously had to stop working for a while i had to move home with my mom so that my mom who's a nurse could take care of me and i was just kind of chilling in a hospital bed for several months, just trying to regain. I had to relearn how to walk. And I was in physical therapy for many months. There were so many wonderful people during that time that were just loving on me and bringing me meals and praying for me and raising money for me. Like just so many things. I can't even, I can't even say how amazing it was. So during that recovery time, I I got reconnected with some friends from high school who I had not seen pretty much since high school, but friends from high school were doing fundraisers for me to help me with my medical bills. And so I got reconnected with an old friend and she, you know, I was talking about my breakup and I was telling her that, you know, I just think God needs me to be single for a while. And if if it's not in the cards for me to get married, then so be it. Like I was still just very raw about it. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to be single forever. (laughs) So my, this friend, she was like, oh, you should meet my boyfriend's roommate. And I was like, okay, yeah, that is not what I need right now. I'm like in a wheelchair <laughs> and, she, and she's like, no, you guys would be perfect together. And I was like, you know, that is just, I just was not in that headspace at all.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so she kind of was a little persistent and she said, well, how about I have a barbecue and I'll just invite a bunch of people and you can come and you can see who this person is. This was in about April of 2009. At that time, I was still walking with a cane, I believe.
1: So I wasn't, I wasn't walking
0: independently yet,
1: which is still amazing. You know, just the fact that you're up and walking right, is right. like miraculous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, the doctors told me that I would no longer be running, which that's not the case. I, I, I'm doing a lot more than the doctors predicted that I would. And again, I just, it's just Jesus. There's, there's mm-hmm. no other explanation. So I went to this barbecue and in walks this tall, bald, tattoo guy. And, and my, my first my first thought was, wow, he's really good looking, but he's way I'm way too goody-two-shoes for him was the first thought that entered my <laughs> mind just because he's got, you know, tattoos all over his arm and he just he just looks looks harder I guess than, yeah. than me and so I just kind of made that initial judgment but once he started talking he was just like this goofy teddy bear and so we started talking and after that he started t- texting me and we texted non-stop for a week like wow. into the night like all day long like it was just we did like a year's worth of dating in a week's worth of texting <laughs> You know, after having gone through my breakup and having gone through, um, a very traumatic accident, I, and after just, you know, the discussions that I'd had with God, just during that whole time, I was not, I knew what I needed. I knew what I wanted. I had prayed again for my husband and, you know, made my husband list. And I just, I didn't, I didn't need to date a lot. Right. So, yeah. so we went on our first date we said, I love you three days later, and we wow. were engaged four months later, I believe. We met at the end of April and were engaged at the end of August. And, you know, I, I usually make fun of girls who do things like that. So it was just, <laughs> it was just totally like God just saying, you told me that you would never get married and that's not what I had planned. Right. So we planned a, a fairly fast wedding. We were, we met and married in 8 months and we conceived on our honeymoon and which was not planned at all <laughs> <laughs> so life has, life during that time was quite a whirlwind i mean i went through yeah. some pretty pretty life changing things you know like a a called off wedding, a life threatening accident, meeting the love of my life, getting married, getting pregnant all in such a short time. And
1: yeah, so much.
0: It was pretty like while I was going through it, it felt crazy, but I don't, I don't think I realized how crazy it was
1: until later on until
0: I, I sort of felt the effects of the whirlwind. Um, once I got pregnant.
1: Yeah. Wow. What was, um, your first pregnancy like?
0: I didn't struggle with postpartum depression. I struggled with being pregnant or being depressed while I was pregnant.
1: Yeah, antepartum depression. And
0: it wasn't, it wasn't that I was depressed about the baby. I was just, I think everything kind of hit me. All that I had gone through, I had sort of been running off of. I don't even know. I was, I was just so grateful to be alive. So I was trying even though the, um, recovery was incredibly difficult physically, I was so great. I was just so grateful. So I didn't have a whole lot of poor me moments. I didn't have a lot of self-pity during that time. (laughs) But then once I got pregnant, you know, the pain that I, you know, I have a lot, I have a lot of metal in my body. And so being pregnant was, did not feel good. I was instantly in a lot of pain. Hmm. I also developed um chronic migraines from my brain injury and there's not a whole lot of medicines that you can take while you're pregnant so i pretty much suffered through migraines a lot during during the whole pregnancy and not to mention i was still working Oh. So I I I can't lie, I did not love being pregnant. It was not <laughs> That's okay. it was not a pleasant experience. I cried a lot. And my poor husband, you know, we were newlyweds and yeah. <laughs> you know, he was expecting a lot more loving, a lot more like Dana, and I just wasn't <laughs> I just was not myself. Yeah. That was a hard
1: nine months. A hard season. Yeah. What really helped you kind of navigate that season? Were there resources or support or counseling or or how did you manage all of that? You know, I know it sounds cliche,
0: but I have to, I have to say my mom. Yeah. My mom is a nurse. So I was able to be discharged um, from the hospital after my accident actually on Christmas Eve that year. And they let me go early with the trust that that my mom would be taking care of me. I could cry just even talking about it. Just, you know, my accident rocked her world probably more mm. than mine. And she has just been my rock, my my, you know… She is my therapist, but she doesn't get paid for it because just with my brain injury stuff and the emotional stuff that I go through, she's the person that I call and she doesn't ever get she doesn't ever seem annoyed. She just she just <laughs> that great. I mean this many years later, like I even still have my issues and she she is a, a second to God, of course. I cried a lot to her and she listened and she rubbed my back and she rubbed my feet and rubbed my legs. And just because John didn't know me during the accident. So I think that it's a little more difficult for him to understand the severity of what I went through. Right. But she, not only as my mother, but also as someone in the medical profession, she knew how serious it was. And so anytime that I Was struggling through the depression, you know, she was able to remind me like, Dana, this is your brain injury. This is part of what you're going to go through. You have to give yourself grace. So she always reminds me of that, which is a good reminder because I'm, I can be so hard on myself. Like, why am I so crazy? (laughs) And she's,
1: (laughs) she's able to kind of put it in perspective for me. Yeah, that's so good. Okay. So what was your birth experience like with your first baby? I mean, I can only imagine the emotions you were feeling <laughs> leading up to having a baby and all that's been going on for you.
0: Yeah, so I, I wish that I had a more lovely story about pregnancy and birth. Again, it all ties back to my accident. Um, because I had a vertebral artery that was the the word is that it was dissected, which basically means it was split from the inside out. Um, so when my accident happened, they did most people well, you know, majority of people have two vertebral arteries in their. Bra- That's the artery in the brain that um, sends oxygen to the brain. And so, when my accident happened, mine was shredded basically. And then they then discovered that I was only born with one. So had oh, wow. so had my vertebral artery not healed, that is where the scary the scary mm-hmm. part was. So because of all of that, the doctor that I had. She was uncomfortable with me having a vaginal birth. She was uncomfortable with me pushing. So I mm-hmm. had to go get clearance from my neurologist and he had to talk with her to like say that it's okay that she push. So he said it was okay, um, but I could tell that she was still uncomfortable with it because, it, right. you know, not too many people in this world have one vertebral artery that's dissected. So um, she was a great doctor. She really was looking back, you know, she's, she's a surgeon. And, um, I think that, you know, she sort of from the beginning wanted me to have a C-section and I of course didn't, but I didn't have a doula and I didn't have really any girlfriends that were kind of guiding me with this. I was the first of my close girlfriends to get pregnant. Hmm. So I didn't really, I didn't really know what I was doing at all. If a doctor told me something, I listened. Now looking back, I realize I could have, you know, advocated for myself a little bit better. But anyway, I ended up going ten days past my due date, and the baby, or Sawyer, he did not drop at all. So I never even dilated like to a one. They checked me mm. ten days after my due date, and I was nothing. And so of course, at that time, they induced me, and. You're like, this is
1: not looking good for Yeah, me.
0: right, right. So they induced me, um, started with Pitocin. I had Cytotec first, sorry. I had Cytotec yeah. first and then Pitocin and started to have the, the contractions pretty gnarly. And so I had an epidural then at that time. I fell asleep from the epidural. And then the next thing I knew it, nurse, nurses were coming into the room cr- pretty fast and wheeling me somewhere else. And I was like, uh, what's going on? And they, they at the time, they didn't really say what was going on. They just sort of wow. pretty quickly were moving me. And I was, you know, all drugged up from the epidural. Right. So I was just sort of loopy, not really knowing what was going on. And then they said, we're going in for a C-section.
1: Which is which is kind of crazy, right? Because where is like you're informed? Obviously, there wasn't a whole lot of informed consent, I would imagine. It
0: all happened really fast. And of course, John was there. They actually let my mom in the room as well, which they usually don't let more than one person in. But because my mom um, is a St. Joseph employee, which is where I delivered. um, And just because of her medical background, they allowed her to be in there. I had a C-section. As soon as he was taken out of me, I started throwing up just from the medication. I had a lot of drugs on board. And I just I was loopy and I mean literally what I remember is like take him away I don't even want to see him. I just
1: oh. I
0: I was throwing up and I was so loopy. I was so sick. I don't remember how long of a time period it was before I kind of came to my senses of what just happened. But you know John was there and my mom was there and they were looking after Sawyer in those first few moments of course. And then they brought him to me and everything was great but my birth story when i when i think about it i don't have like this moment of like oh and then they brought him to me or like it was so beautiful like it wasn't any of that it was it was mm-hmm. very fast so yeah pregnancy and birth were just not it's not a lovely story
1: <laughs> yeah how did how are you feeling about that like how did you process all of that
0: i've struggled with it i mean not to the point where you know, I didn't, I wasn't depressed about it or anything like that, but I definitely mourned that I, I felt like I sort of got gypped on the birth experience yeah. a little bit, um, that I didn't, I didn't have, I mean, it because it didn't even feel, it didn't feel like any part of it was, um, smooth and I shouldn't, I shouldn't complain. I know that, I know that women have m- much more difficulties than that with just medical stuff, but, I think those first few moments are just so foggy to me. And that's what I think is sad. That is, I I didn't get that first look at my son in, it it took a while and I don't, I couldn't tell you how long it was. Maybe it was five minutes, maybe it was 30 minutes um, of when I really got to hold him and then look at him for the first time. But then, you know, we were in, because I had a C-section, I was in the hospital for, I think three days bonding with him. And then, you know, the recovery of a C-section sucks, you know, cause you can't, you can't sit yourself up easily and you can't move comfortably. So not only do I have, le- I have leg pain, but now I was having, you know, tummy pain and not being able to move. Yeah. So I just, um, my husband was wonderful though. He, I mean, he did all the diaper changes. He brought Sawyer to my boob and he did, he did all of that in the beginning. So yeah. So then I went through, however many weeks it was recovering from the C-section.
1: Yeah, that's a lot, Dana. (laughs) That's a lot to work through and process. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine, um, you know, that first year must have been just a lot to work through for you. Yeah. But, you know, Sawyer
0: was, you know, he's who made me a mom. And birth, birth story aside, he... I just love that kid so much, so yeah, he he was a good baby, an awful toddler <laughs> <laughs> but but he he was pretty good those those first few months.
1: yeah, I think it's so important, too, that even just to remind moms or people in general, like it's okay to grieve the loss of what you thought was going to be. Yeah. And it's okay to grieve the loss of your expectations or what you had hoped for um, because that's a that's a big deal. And I think we get into trouble when we don't sit and take that time to really process those thoughts and emotions um, because we know that, I mean, there's evidence that tells us your birth memories actually stay with you and they create different memories than any other memory in your entire life. They'll actually stick with you um, in a different way in your brain than, than any other kind of memory. So it is so, so important the way that we feel about our birth because it does have a big impact on us. Definitely. Yeah. So that first year, um, after Sawyer's life, how did you process motherhood? How did your relationship with John change? What was, what was that season like for you guys?
0: John and I were newlyweds when we got pregnant and had a baby. So just like the theme of my life in those years, everything, everything was whirlwind. So not only were we trying to figure out how to be parents, we were trying to be newlyweds at the same time. When I found out I was pregnant with Sawyer, I literally, I literally peed on a pregnancy test it came <laughs> it came out positive and I fell on the floor like I mean <laughs> like just in in utter shock so so we were not only navigating parenthood but we were navigating being newlyweds and so I think to be honest the while of course it was hard on on me you know just with fatigue and tiredness I, I really think that it was a, hard on my husband. Um, You know, just you can't deny, you know, husband's expectations in their first year of marriage and um, what they think it will look like. And I just had a C-section. And so those beginning that first year, I think was a little hard on him. Yeah. That being said, he, you know, he's an amazing dad, but I've returned to work probably, I don't remember exactly when, but I think I probably returned to work about two months after I had Sawyer. And again, I was still work. I was working part-time then. So I was working three evening shifts a week. So that forced John to be on full-time daddy duty while I was at work, you know, doing the bedtime routine yeah. and which I know was hard on him, but I really think that it has shaped him as a dad. Like he's, he's been forced to do a lot that many dads don't ever maybe get to experience, um, because mom, many moms are home in the evenings. So I really think that helped him to bond well with, with his boys. So yeah, it was just, we kind of went through the grind. There was no, no real issues. I mean, Sawyer was a good baby. He was a healthy baby. It was, it was good. It was a good first year. What, at what point did you guys start thinking about having another baby? Well, see, God just makes me pregnant when I think about being pregnant. So <laughs> I actually got pregnant on birth control about... I don't remember what month it was. Um, I was I was towards the end of nursing, but I, you know, I think I had just stopped nursing. That's what it was. I was I just stopped nursing, but I was still on that um, low-dose birth control that you can take while you're nursing mm-hmm. so that, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay because you've got half of the, the nursing sure. help and then half of the low-dose birth control. So I had just stopped nursing but was still on that birth control pill, and I immediately got pregnant.
1: And <laughs> oh, Dana.
0: I know. And, um, and the reason that I knew that I was pregnant or that I needed to take a test was because I walked through target and the popcorn smelled different. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> this
1: is not uh, good.
0: This is not good. You know, cause so wet Sawyer wasn't even, well, so I had, was just a year old, I think, you know, maybe he was 13 okay. months. Cause I just stopped nursing. I nursed for a year. So, so I got pregnant and I had, it was crazy. I, for some reason I kept taking birth control tests. I think I took about like eight. I, I just, I kept thinking, is this right? Is this real? Like, how did this happen? So I just kept taking birth control tests and they were all positive. And about eight days after I found out I was pregnant, I miscarried. And that, even though I hadn't known that I was pregnant very long, it was, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much details you want me to say, but it was pretty, it was pretty awful. Um, I definitely, you know, I went to the hospital. I think that they had determined that I was a little farther along than
1: than you thought.
0: Than I thought, because you know there was—I don't want to be gory or anything—but there definitely was. It was visible as I yeah. was as I was miscarrying, and it was that I that part was pretty awful
1: and pr- probably traumatic. Yes, tra- it was traumatic, yeah. and it
0: was very. Again, when you take when any time I go through anything that's difficult. My my kind of my emotional dysregulation kicks in, and so I was, I was just a little jacked up for from that for yeah. a little a little bit to put it yeah. mildly, but I had so I had a miscarriage, and John and I had already had plans to go to Mexico for our anniversary. When I had seen the, the I had seen a, a nurse practitioner, um, I had to have a test done because I had had abnormal an abnormal pap smear I had had Hmm. two of them I think so I had to go have a I forget what the procedure is called I had to have a procedure done and so she had told me go and enjoy yourself on this vacation she didn't she wasn't in the belief system that that we should wait to have sex she said you know what You know if if emotionally you don't feel ready then then listen to that but there's no physical reason for you not to so Mm. we went on this vacation and it was i gosh elise it was like maybe it was a a month like one month Mm. after after the miscarriage or no it was less maybe it was like three weeks we went on this vacation and I came back and had that had that procedure scheduled that I was supposed to do, and I went in yeah. went in for that procedure, and that same um, nurse practitioner said, "Well, since you're pregnant, we can't do the procedure." And I said, "What? <laughs> like what?" I said, "Are you sure that it's not leftover HCG Tissue. levels from yeah, the yeah. miscarriage?" And she she did say she said, "Well, that is possible." But not likely. So let's get you some blood work. So then I went over and did blood work, and sure enough, I mean, I had had a miscarriage, and this was a new pregnancy. And wow, yeah. So like, that's
1: so much to process,
0: Dana. (laughs) Again, it's just the the whirlwind of my life. So yeah. So we had we were pregnant. Um, My boys are exactly two years and two days apart. Their birthdays are two days apart, and of course, that wasn't planned. Yeah. And this, wow. the pregnancy of Weston was the same. I, I just, in fact, I think the pain was worse during my second
1: pregnancy. Mm. Well, your body had just been through so much. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine.
0: I think, um, I, you know, I always wanted three kids in my life. Like if I look back to diary entries from elementary school, I always wanted three kids. There's three kids in my family but after that second pregnancy or during that second pregnancy I really questioned if I could do it again just because it was yeah. the migraines and the pain was just a lot.
1: Yeah. So what were your plans going into your second birth? My my plans were to have a V-back and oh, Okay.
0: Again, I could I could sense the my I had the same doctor because I did like her and she did a fabulous job with my emergency C-section with Sawyer and and because of my medical history I I'm yeah. not able to like I have to deliver in a hospital um mm-hmm. you know my medical history kind of limits me on on certain things and she still I was still thought she was good she just didn't follow some of the natural things that I more believe in sure but she thought that I should have a C-section again, just because it was, you know, it was just at that two year mark to deliver again. And under two years, they won't let you do a V-back. But I was like, just, I was like two years and a week, you know, by the time I would have had the C-section. So she she said, let's do a C-section. I said, you know what? I really want to have a V-back. I signed all the paperwork you know signing my life away it seems like <laughs> to to approve that that's what I want to do and she said okay we'll do that but if you don't go you know if you don't go into labor by this date then i think we need to schedule a c-section so she suggested let's schedule the c-section that way it's in the schedule but if you go into labor on your own then you'll do the v-back so i was okay with that decision mm-hmm. um and i went to my due date and I st- same thing. I never dilated, and just because of that with Sawyer and having had an emergency, we I, I went in for the appointment to have the C section. And for the second C section, it was it was harder because when I went in to deliver Sawyer, I didn't know I was having a C section. So I was like, "Let's get this baby out. Let's do this. I'm excited." Yeah. Going going into the hospital knowing you're about to be cut open is very stressful. Like, yeah. like here I am, I'm showing up to the hospital and I know that I'm gonna have major surgery. And right. so I, I kind of had a little bit of, well, I had a panic attack on the table. I was like, I was just so nervous about it. You know, we got through it. I had another C-section. Weston is my pumpkin baby. He was, <laughs> he was born in October and he came out orange.
1: He came out orange. Yep.
0: He was jaundiced. We didn't stay quite as long in the hospital because, you know, I'd already done it the first time and I wanted to go home. So I think we only stayed in the hospital like a day and a half after after I delivered. And we went home. He was so orange. So he we had to go get one of those lights. He, had to, he yeah. had to be under the light for a bit, which is actually sweet. It's a sweet memory. I love thinking of him as my pumpkin baby. <laughs>
1: I don't know that everyone would say that, but I'm glad that you <laughs> found something positive. That's awesome. And he, and he was
0: um, colicky. He had um, what is called silent reflux. So he didn't have reflux that came out of his mouth. It was silent reflux that just sort of burned his esophagus. So he, oh, baby. he basically screamed his lungs out for eight months.
1: Oh, baby boy. That's so hard. Yeah. And
0: that was another, that was a hard year, you know, on the marriage and just having, trying to potty train and nurse. And it was, it was rough. The second, the second, the first year after second baby was harder than the first year after the first baby.
1: Yeah, definitely. So you're, you know, you're a few years out from all of that that all that life and you know, circumstance that you've experienced, what has the Lord kind of done in your heart in the last, you know, six or seven years that has kind of shaped you and changed you?
0: A lot of my story, you know, even this many years later, I have really gone through a lot with my job, with my work, with being being a part-time working mom, the work that I do, while I do believe God called me to it initially, I love being in a position to help people when they are in their darkest hour. And I feel very fortunate to be able to pray for people and to to love people and support people. But trying to be a mom and do that kind of work really drained me, r- really exhausted me. And so I had to, I really went through kind of a, A lot of conversations with god about like what do you have for me you must have Mm -hmm. something different like i i don't i don't think that you want me to be this exhausted and this emotional just for the rest of my life but at the same time i i didn't know what was next i didn't Mm -hmm. i didn't know what i was supposed to do the kind of work that i do is pretty it's pretty specific so and and with with my education I can't just go to something else pretty easily. Right. So I knew that I either had to go back and get more school or I had to tough it out and stay in my job because it didn't seem like me not working was an option for us financially. And so I sort of I went through my season of resenting that of just wishing that I could be a stay-at-home mom but but knew that that really wasn't in the cards for us and so kind of going through that acceptance that has that has been a big part of my motherhood journey it's just kind of accepting accepting where we're at and being so grateful for it and then also at the same time asking god what is next for me what do you want for me i know that i'm mom and i am wife and those are my to- of course my my top roles but what's next and so just through my journey of being a mom and having been through my accident i felt god really Bringing passion, I've always had passions for health and wellness. You know, you know, I, I had wanted to be in the fitness world even before my accident. Um, but I, because of my journey of my recovery, I was doing a lot of yoga, and I felt God say to me, you know, I want you to teach this, and I was like, really? Like, I'm, I'm not that good at it. Like, I have a lot of <laughs> physical limitations. Like, are you sure? And so I, I was kind of um, nervous about that, but I just sort of went for it. I didn't even really think about it that long. I just sort of, I figured as soon as I pay the money for it, there's no backing out. So I, right. So I, you're paid, invested. I'm invested. Right. So I just sort of, I did that. And as soon as I got certified to teach yoga, I was petrified in fear and I didn't do anything with it for a solid year. Wow. And I, I was very emotional about that because I thought, shoot, I wasted all this money. Why did I do this? That was not a good idea. But then exactly a year after getting certified, someone else approached me and said, you're going to teach. And I was like, oh Hmm. my gosh. Okay. So then that, so the yoga journey got started and with the yoga journey started to open my eyes and my interest in other really natural ways of healing. And that turned food. I've, I've had a, a long story in my past, also with my own food demons and just body image stuff and insecurities, different things that I've gone through. And so it was very funny to me that God wanted to teach me about food because I had always had, mm. I had always had demons with
1: food. Isn't that amazing, though? I think the Lord is so good to use those things that we think are issues or trials or um annoying mm-hmm. parts of our lives. And he's always so good to just take that and be like, nope, I'm gonna redeem that for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's that saying
0: that God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that is without a doubt exactly my story. Because I certainly I certainly was not born this, <laughs> you know, five foot ten long, skinny yoga yogi or whatever. And I I I wasn't born to be a chef or like I, I was never a good cook until this year or, you know, like maybe two years ago. And so God really like wanted me to use my story to do something. So he sort of put these things in my lap and put this passion on my heart to take the things that have been a struggle for me to somehow be a light for someone else that maybe has had that struggle too.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I'm proud of you, Dana, for being faithful and for being obedient and just taking those next steps because that's hard. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary scary and hard. And I think it's vulnerable. It's really vulnerable when we trust people with, um, our seasons and our hearts and, um, those places that are not perfect. And, but I think that's, where the Lord does the most. When we put our vulnerable, broken pieces of our heart and say, you know, God, you're going to have to shine in this and you're going to have to be bigger and you're going to have to put this back together. I think that's where the Lord gets all the glory. Yeah. And I think that's really where he wants us to be.
0: You know, I think we get flat on our back from different things in our life. And I know it's so cliche, but it is so true that like when we're flat on our back, the only way we can look is up. That has been in my life so many times. And I can't imagine that if I wasn't flat on my back, that I would even, I, I really do think that the hardest seasons of my life, and I've had a handful of them, are what has developed my relationship with God the most.
1: Oh, totally. Oh, definitely. I think he uses those trials and those challenges in our life to draw us close to him. Yeah. For sure. I mean, without a doubt. So you're you're working as a yoga instructor and as a health coach and at the hospital, and you're a mom of two little boys. What do you feel like the Lord's speaking into your life right now in this season? That's the hardest question, Elise. I admit, I feel like God wants
0: me at some point to do more in the with the health stuff, and the, I think that is where I struggle is really stepping out in faith and taking risks i'm not a good risk taker i'm a very safe person and i feel like god is probably asking me to (laughs) not be so safe and just trust i have really been praying about going back to school um, to get a master's degree in nutrition and I'm I'm really praying about that right like right now that's something that's really fresh on the plate is that I'm trying to determine and really hear God correctly when I know when the right time to do that is because of course it all comes back to that I am wife and mom first and yeah. I realize that going back to school is is an incredible commitment that sort of spreads us pretty thin so yeah. I'm really trying to make sure that the timing is right and make sure that that is in fact where god is leading me i think that it's where he's leading me but i have a lot a lot more praying and a lot more listening to do so that's that's exactly where i am like literally i i believe that god started me um as a mental health counselor but i don't think that that is that is the type of work that i will end with
1: I think he's really faithful to take us in different places, in different seasons. And God is the creative genius creator that he is where he's going to, he's going to bring that all together and he's going to orchestrate all those pieces to align perfectly um, in exactly what you're supposed to do. I think sometimes we get overwhelmed, um, at least I know I do, with, oh, God, should I be doing this? And should I be doing this? And, and all these different pieces of my life, how are you going to pull it all together? But I think that's where we just have to trust the creativity of our God. And he is going to orchestrate that. And he's going to pull all those pieces together because he's the one who made us yeah. Um, and is so good at at drawing um, those pieces of ourselves into the right into the right places yeah so i think it's awesome dana i think everything you're doing is incredible and the way you've trusted the lord and listened i mean that's that's hard that's hard but i think you know i really do think that the lord's just so pleased with you well thank you very much for saying that yeah yeah okay so switching gears so you're a busy mom. Mm-hmm. You're a wife. Um you've got you've got a lot of jobs. What are some of your favorite favorite things in this season of your life? Maybe your top 3 favorite things.
0: Aside from, you know, practical things like my marriage and my kids and that kind of stuff. Um yeah. I would say yoga. Yoga okay. is a big part of my life. I wish I could do it more. I wish I had more free time to do it more and develop my my own practice. I just love what it does for my heart and my soul and my body yeah. and it feels so good physically and mentally and I, I believe that all women need it. I really do. Yeah. I, I mean I'm not I know I'm biased, but I think that all women need yoga and they might not know that they need it. And my very first time ever taking yoga, I thought it was stupid. And I know that there's lots <laughs> of women out there who feel that way because they think it's so slow paced or it doesn't burn enough calories or like there's all these kind of preconceived notions about it. But I just I wish that all women would open themselves up to to knowing that they need it. That's awesome. I love my workouts, my, you know, I, I work out at both V athletics and I work out at the YMCA and have, um, there's a, an instructor there that I really love. And I just, I love my time sweating. It's yeah. It, you know, and it, it feels different to me than my yoga, because even though yoga I know is exercise and work, it's just, my mindset is different between the two. And so that's just another thing that I love. (laughs) I have to say, I love my daily planner.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, what planner do you have? Um, what
0: is it called? It's actually right here next to me, which cuz it's never far from me, I don't ever put anything in a phone. It goes into my it's called Bloom Vision Planner. Bloom. Okay. And my husband my, I don't it's he calls it like my brain because again, because of my brain injury, I struggle with memory and I I am very OCD about it. I, everything is in it from my, I write down when I spend money in it. I, I circle when I exercise, I put a star when I did yoga, like all the kids <laughs> stuff, like it's color coordinated. And I just, I don't go anywhere without it. And it. if I lose it, I mean, I have my phone number written in in black Sharpie on the front in case I ever lost it, that someone would call me and make sure that I didn't lose it because that would be a very, very
1: difficult day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure we don't lose it. That's awesome. Okay. Your, your bloom planner. Okay. Awesome. Yes. I love that. Did you order that online or did you get it at a store? I ordered it online. Okay. Awesome. We'll have to link to that one. Okay, Dana, thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with me about your story. It, it really is incredible. All that, you know, you've been through and that the Lord's done in your life. So I so appreciate your time today. Well, no problem. Thanks for having me, Elise. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks, Dana. I just love Dana and her story. I love the way that God has used those areas in her life that were causing her so much pain and heartache to change the way she sees the world. So much of what Dana has experienced could have caused her to live in pain, burdened by heartache, but God is just so faithful to take our pain and use it to bring glory to his name. That's just why I love sharing these stories with y'all. God is always always in the business of redeeming our broken things. Even those things we think are too far gone for fixing. I love the way God has written a beautiful love story on top of all the pain Dana has experienced. And the most awesome part about it all is that he can do the same for you. If you would like to connect with Dana, head on over to our website at BalancedHealthWithDana.com. I'll be sure to leave all of her info over on my show notes page for you guys, EliseMarsh.com podcast. So head on over there and get in touch with Dana. You guys are going to be so blessed to know her more okay friends i want to share with you some verses out of first john 4 with you this week i had one of those weeks where this particular chapter in the bible just kept popping up all over the place for me I was reading out of this chapter this last week, and then again on Sunday, our pastor at church shared verses from this chapter in his message, and then again, in one of the books I was reading, the author shared these verses, and I'm like, okay, God, I get it, I'm listening, you want me to talk about this chapter with our listeners this week. So here I am. Being obedient, sharing what I feel like the Lord has asked me to share with you. I pray you are encouraged by these verses. So here we go. First John 4, starting out in verse 16, says, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more Perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. Last year in one of my counseling sessions, my counselor asked me, Elise, what do you think is the opposite of fear? And I thought immediately, well, of course, bravery, courage, strong faith. And she said, you know what the Lord says is the opposite of fear? She said, it's love. His perfect love is the opposite of fear. I pray this week that the Lord's perfect love will come to full expression in you, that His love will grow down deep in your hearts and become more perfect as you understand just how deep and unfailing and expansive His love is for us. We don't have to have all the right answers because we really won't all the time. I don't believe that is what the Lord is asking of us, but I do believe that He desires that we are transformed by His love every day and are then able to give that love to others. Can I just tell you how awesome you are? I don't take it for granted the time you spend with me here on the podcast each week. I truly feel so blessed just to be here sharing these stories with you. This show has ministered to my heart so much, and I pray you all feel the same way. If you're pregnant, come find me. Send me a message. I would love to get to know you and be a resource for you and help you out in any way that I can. Head on over to my contact page and say hello. I'd love to meet you. My website is EliseMarsh.com. Everyone deserves to have someone cheering for them, believing in them, and encouraging them, and I want to do that for you. Have a great week and I will see you back here next week for another empowering story.